0: Welcome to the Faith and Podcast. I'm Nicole Smalley, Youth Ministry Associate at Colonial Church, soon to be Meeting House Church. And today I'm joined with my co-host, Patrick Smalley, back by popular demand.
1: That's what I hear. Super popular demand.
0: The fans have spoken and they like when we podcast together.
1: <laughs> Here I am back at it. You're welcome.
0: At our kitchen table, in our jammies, yes. ready to go.
1: yes. Super fun. Glad to be back. Thanks for having me.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm excited to talk today and to just share a few things that we've been talking about in our own home, just with, you know, everything that's going on in the world right now with the pandemic and the political culture and the racial unrest. None of these things are exactly new. But then in the recent days, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, it's definitely sparked a lot of worry in me about should I be talking to my three-year-old about this. Should we be talking to him, sharing with him, what do we say, how do we start these conversations? And, and he's only a toddler. right? I think, I think a lot about families right now with elementary schoolers and middle schoolers and high schoolers and I, I'm hoping we can share some advice on how to have these difficult conversations about things that are scary in the news because that's what's scary right now, but there's always gonna be something else yeah, because of the world we live in, right? And I was even thinking about Ash Wednesday just happened a few days ago. And that begins this time in the life of the church where we remember probably the most scary thing to talk about, right? And we talk about when Jesus died and was resurrected and what that means. And we talk about, you know, try explaining Passover to your firstborn son. Yeah. That's a pretty scary story to hear.
1: Yeah. And yet it's super important to not only who Jesus was, but the story of the people of God.
0: Right. Exactly. So there's always going to be difficult conversations about things that have happened or are currently happening. And for parents and caretakers, you might be wondering, like we are, how can we help our children process these situations? And how can we how can we use these circumstances as kind of a, a touch point with our children? And it's difficult, and especially thinking about Russia's invasion of Ukraine, like that's a brand new thing that today's parents have really never had to deal with. Just like the pandemic, that was a brand new thing. And parents are trying to process these things in real time while also still being the parent or caretaker. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to deal with your own experience of this and trying to help your children experience this as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like talking about, the hard moments you had back when you were in middle school yeah this is real real time Well, happening. i feel
1: like i feel like all the these issues can be like compounded on each other yeah like even just a few weeks ago there was a shooting at a school in richfield right you know and i school shootings have been a thing for far too long now But to have something, you know, again, come up so close to home and it it makes all of this just all that much more real and and that much more important for us to talk about as parents.
0: And we know from research that children grow up to have a deeper sense of self-esteem and self-confidence and communication skills when they grow up in environments where their parents foster open lines of communication. Yeah. So... Some things we're thinking about, some things we've read about, about how we can have these difficult conversations. I think the first is, is to realize that, number one, it's important to have these conversations. It can be easy as a parent or caretaker to think, we just won't talk about it, I'll, I'll shield them from that because they don't need to worry about it and they don't need to know about it. And that is completely rooted in love and wanting to protect our kids. And that, that might work for really little kids. We do have control over their media consumption. But I think for, for older kids and older students, especially, if we're not talking about it with them, they're hearing about it at school. They're mm-hmm. seeing it on TikTok. It's, it's pretty much everywhere that they have access to. And I think it's important that we become a voice in the story and we become a, a credible source for them with information access. We might not be able to manage their media consumption, but it's important that we choose to enter into these conversations. When kids are ready, when kids are willing, when there's dedicated time, but beginning these conversations is really that important first step. And I think it's important that we normalize the emotions that our kids and students are feeling when we start these conversations. So for example, another move that I know that I tend to do when I think out of love is is to kind of start by telling kids that a crisis might be far away Mm -hmm. or it's nothing that we have to worry about. And unintentionally, that can shame that student or kid and has the potential to shut down further lines of communication because we're telling kids to share their emotions and to share what's going on. And if they choose to do that and say that they're scared or that they're worried, and then we say, oh, no, 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 you don't need to worry about it, then we're not really giving them permission to feel what it is that they're feeling. It's okay to be afraid of what's going on in Ukraine. It's okay to be afraid of COVID, right? The first step to beginning these conversations is to normalizing what it is that they're feeling.
1: Yeah, and not all kids are going to be affected in a negative way or have like a strong emotional reaction to some of the stuff that they're hearing or seeing. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But we can start by saying, you know, I know you, you might've heard about this at school or on TV or, you know, you saw it on social media or somewhere. I just want to check in and see kind of where you're at and just kind of opening that door welcomes that dialogue in and, and triggers to them and and shows them that you're willing to enter into that space together.
0: Right. And then based on what they say, you know where to target that conversation. So asking kids what they know, asking kids what they've heard, asking kids what they've seen is a great place to start. And then whatever they share with you is okay. And normalize Mm -hmm. those things. And don't be too quick to correct misinformation allow them to fully express before we jump in be ready to listen show what it means to empathize and understand and be willing to hear and you might have to do some correcting but if we show them that we're listening show them that we're understanding i think that's going to build the credibility between them
1: and i think this is an opportunity too for us as parents and caretakers to be honest with our kids about our own emotions that we're feeling Mm -hmm. In response to these things. One of the things that I've been thinking about lately is, you know, Connor is three and I am like Google to him. Like he doesn't know the answer to something he asks me. And Mm -hmm. 99% of the time I know the answer because I'm just super wise and all knowing. Not really. But, (laughs) you know, he's got fairly simple questions and I can I can rattle off something. In this case, I might not have the answers to the questions he might ask me. So to be open and to share our emotions and our uncertainties in the midst of this too kind of levels the playing field a little bit and might help them know that their uncertainty or their questions are okay.
0: Right, and admitting to our kids that we don't have all the answers and maybe taking that time to look up information together, that can create a trusting bond and show, show your kids that they can rely on you for help. And I even think this translates into other issues. Like, you know, if our kids come to us about this issue that we're seeing in the news right now, and we show them that we can talk, we show them that we can be honest about it, then that might come back to them in the future when they're facing a new issue. Like, oh, well, mom and I, we really learned a lot about what was happening in Ukraine together. I wonder if mom's going to know about what it's like to maybe have a friendship fall apart or some other issue that's going to come up in their life in the future. And just show that we were able to talk about this thing together in the past. Maybe we can talk about this next thing together as well. So let's talk a little bit about what information to share then. How do we keep it age appropriate? How do we keep it honest as well, but without overwhelming kids or without scaring kids too much, I think. I think about the very first thing we should do when we talk about it is just ask kids, do you know where Ukraine is? Or should we look it up together on a map? Because making it a real place, making it about real people, I think is really important than just this kind of big idea that's kind of floating out there. And then from there, I think we can go into more specific details about why this might be happening, what the history there is, all while keeping it age-appropriate, right? So if you have a really, really little kid, you might be able to say something a little bit more metaphorical about how, how would you feel if someone came into your room and took all your toys? Well, that's what's happening in another place right now. There's a leader in this country called Russia who's trying to take everything away from another country called Ukraine. How do you think the people in Ukraine might feel about that? Or how do you... how do you think they might respond and I think that metaphor for very little kids takes such a big hard to understand complex issue and makes it a little bit more concrete for them to wrap their minds around and be able to talk about I think about some other things we can explain that are age appropriate what does it mean to be a refugee and what does that experience look like or what are sanctions and how do we explain that based on different ages I think the more accurate information we can give to kids, the more ability we have to take away that anxiety. Because really, anxiety is that that lack of control, right? And that fear of the unknown. And so the more clarity we can provide, the more we can help them understand terms, understand history, understand context. Hopefully, we can take away some anxiety and worry that they might be feeling.
1: Yeah, and I think with that accuracy, it also means like, not generalizing groups of people like to avoid vilifying all of russia Mm -hmm. in this situation because we know you know based on some of the the stories that we've seen on our news feeds like you know there there are people in russia who are standing in solidarity with people of ukraine so to be specific and say you know it's these leaders or you know not an entire country is trying to overtake an entire country but it's a small number of people that are are making these decisions
0: yeah because i think if we if we get too specific or if we try to say something like well russia's the bad guys in this situation then you know the younger the children are the more concrete thinking they live in and they might. They might end up internalizing those generalizations and taking them seriously. So I think if we can provide some context like you were sharing about how these events are carried out by a small number of people and everybody's kind of left to deal with it, then that can show how there's decision makers that are impacting everybody else in all these different areas. I think that's really important. And I think wrapping up this conversation by always telling your kids, we can always talk more about this or kind of reading their cues. And if they're done for right now, it doesn't mean they're done with the conversation forever necessarily. They might want to come back to it in the future and allowing them to process and to think about it and to come back with questions is really important. It doesn't have to just be a one-time conversation.
1: Yeah. And even if you get shut down from the start, just because they didn't want to talk about it in that moment doesn't mean that they don't ever want to talk about it. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, they might just not have the emotional energy, you know, or, you know, I think of my three-year-old, like there are times when I ask him about something and he doesn't answer, he runs off, but 10 minutes later or the next day, even sometimes he'll come back and he'll want to talk about it.
0: Sometimes I don't want to talk about things unless I've had a snack.
1: Yeah. So. That's how I feel about coffee in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, I just don't talk to me until that point.
0: Right. 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 These conversations can always be ongoing. They might happen at the dinner table. They might happen in the car while you're driving somewhere. They might happen while you're on a walk around your neighborhood. They might also happen when you're playing with your kids, because play is an opportunity for kids to process the world around them as well and to take in information and then to try to live out that information. So depending on the ages and what kids have heard, You might start to see some of these themes come out in their play as well, like like kids taking over building blocks from another kid, for example, because they've heard about how somebody is taking over another person's land. That might be one way that kids are. You're seeing those same themes play out with play, (laughs) play out with play. (laughs) (laughs) So then i think the last thing we can touch on and you know being people who follow jesus and who live in hope i think it's important that that we provide a sense of hope in this moment without taking away from not only the real pain that people in ukraine are experiencing right now but the real feelings of worry and fear we don't want to say something um, that's going to belittle any of those emotions or any of those circumstances but i think Simultaneously, we can say some things that do provide hope. And I think for really, really little kids telling them that they're safe and that mommy and daddy or grandma and grandpa or whoever is in the family is with them and going to protect them, that works. The older kids get the more anxiety, the more fear, the more worry they have. But just reminding them that you're here to process, you're here to talk and that you can talk about it whenever you want. But then also, another way we can provide hope is by teaching kids to find the helpers Mm. and to see who is helping in this situation.
1: Yeah, I think when we can train our kids to notice the people in a situation that are helping, whether it's a small situation and somebody steps in or something bigger like this and there are groups or organizations that are Are protesting or raising funds or raising supplies whatever the case may be you know the more we can can train our eyes and the eyes of our kids to notice those things i feel like it almost encourages us to lean into that and to to be more like those people and to you know hopefully be those people i think in my own parenthood like one thing that i would hope for my kids is that they would grow up to be helpers Mm -hmm. in situations. When they are presented with an opportunity to be helpful to somebody who is in crisis, that they would step in and that they would help in that situation. Right. If we can find ways to encourage our kids to step into that helper role in these moments, it's planting seeds for them later in life.
0: Yeah. And giving those kids... A sense of control and contribution which can ease anxiety as well and that might look like working together to make a family donation that might look like setting aside a time of prayer that might look like doing any kind of good deed whenever we face something scary in the world if we can help others in a different place that can be a way to take back control and to bring hope as well so maybe it's going and packing meals together or maybe it's going and serving a meal somewhere or something that's not exactly related to the situation, but helping others as well. Well, hopefully this conversation provided some ideas and sparked some ways that these conversations can begin and that these conversations can continue. And we'd love to hear from you on your ideas on how to have these difficult conversations with kids and students as well. And know that those of us at church are, Are here to help as well and to walk alongside of you. And we're figuring it out, you're figuring it out, and we can figure it out together and be in this space together.
1: And in the spirit of working to be helpers, let us close this podcast today by praying for the people of Ukraine. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, will you please take a minute and pray with us? God of peace and justice, We pray for the people of Ukraine today. We pray for peace and the laying down of weapons. We pray for all those who fear for tomorrow, that your spirit of comfort would draw near to them. We pray for those with power over war or peace, for wisdom, discernment, and compassion to guide their decisions. Above all, we pray for all your precious children at risk and in fear, that you would hold and protect them. We pray in the name of Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Amen.